Good morning, everyone. We got three more minutes of morning, so it's uh, 1157. Uh, it's a good day to be alive. Amen. Good, good day to wake up. Uh, beautiful weather uh, that God's blessed us with these past several days. It's a lot better than the 90s. Amen. I'll take, uh, even though I'm wearing a hoodie today and Sean's got on shorts, it's like we're on far extremes of both sides of that. Uh, but I do feel like taking my hoodie off. I was sitting there, I was like, do I take it off? And then I was like, no, I got a Lewis County shirt on underneath of it, and I'd rather sport Chevy than Lewis County today. So I'm, I'm going to leave my shirt on. And all you Ford lovers, it's okay. It's okay. It's all right. I'll wear a Ford shirt later. If, if somebody buys it for me, I won't buy one myself. But no, not really. Uh, so that's a, uh, just a, a beautiful life uh, to live that God's given us. Amen. And I want you guys to know, uh, grateful for a church like Bethesda, a church uh, that loves God, loves people, a church that truly uh, always uh, blesses Leslie and myself uh, to far extremes. And this past weekend, um, Leslie and myself and Dusty and Albie went uh, on a little camping excursion and got away for two days. And we left Friday evening and stayed all weekend. And we call it a leadership retreat. We do it every fall. And we just uh, kind of recharge, refuel, repurpose, uh, redirect kindly. And it just had an awesome time these last two days and just getting to interact with Dusty and, and Albie and Leslie and myself all together and, and uh, seeking God, asking God for direction for church, for Bethesda. And he always directs us. He always leads us. He always guides us. But we want to hear him. Amen. We want to hear him uh, closely, closer than we ever have before. And this past weekend's been really great, and there's several things we studied about leadership and different things that just, it's, I'm telling you, 2018 is going to be awesome. You're going to want to hang around for 2018 at Bethesda. I, I assure you right now, just by the, uh, actually Friday morning when I woke up and went outside to, uh, to, to get ready, and I had to move my car out of the way so I could hook the truck up to the camper and all that, I went out and I looked on my tire was a, praying manis and it was right over top of the word good year amen I'll take it I'll take that sign every day the, the time we're getting ready to go playing for 2018 and walk out and the praying manis is hanging on good year it's like yeah God I'll, I'll, I'll take that for a sign for sure uh, I have pictures on my phone I just took them I was like that is awesome I sent it to Dusty and Albin and Leslie uh, and said look at this this is uh, pretty awesome so uh, just great things in store. Thank you guys for uh, blessing us. And uh, you, you, the church bought us the camping spot, the advisory council and all that. Uh, got the camping spot and bought our food for the weekend as we uh, studied and, and sought God. And it's, it's, it's good times. It's good times for Bethesda. If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 23. And I want us to look at this message entitled, White Washed Worship. And i got to say it slow because it's one of those tongue-tying type uh, things for me that and usually I call it worst because the way I, you know, where you grow up here in Lewis County in, kind of in the hollers of eastern Kentucky, and Greg's, Greg's, he's from down in farther uh, east part of Kentucky and we, we call it white worst, right? White worst worship. So if you if you say it like we normally say it, it's easy to get tongue-tied in all this but uh, just say it three times real fast everybody, okay? One, two, three, go. 
Now, everybody wouldn't say it loud enough. I, I think you like you was trying to hold back so that you made sure you didn't mess up. So I want to, real fast, three times, everybody loudly, one, two, three, go. <laughs> Peter Piper picked a pale peppers or something. I don't know. It's kind of one of those things. <laughs> Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, verse 27. Let's stand as we read this uh, verse and seek uh, God's guidance for us today. Matthew 23, 27 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs or sepulchres, what uh, King James says, I believe, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness let us pray father we thank you for your son jesus and lord the new life that he provides to us through the death burial and resurrection of that cross of calvary that empty tomb that's in jerusalem it's a sign for us to know that there's a better way that there's a better life god help us today to sense your presence, to sense your spirit moving within us. Lead us and guide us in this service. Teach us today, God, from your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says amen. amen. You may be seated. Whitewashed worship. Jesus is speaking here and teaching and exhorting and instructing and correcting because that's what Jesus does Jesus pours into our life and sometimes we just need correction I'm speaking to a room full of adults sometimes we need correction amen it's easy to want correction when we're correcting them little fellers down there in the basement and tell them what they need to be doing but how well do we accept correction Amen. And guidance from Jesus, from our Father God. How well do we accept what he speaks to us? So as Jesus is speaking here, he's speaking to a, a highly affluent uh, group of people. These are the individuals in Jerusalem that basically are the, uh, in their culture, in their way of uh, government. This is the political elite. This is the religious elite. Uh, these are people of of high influence in the community. So as Jesus, they come up and they start questioning Jesus about some things and they're gonna try Jesus because that's the way we are too, amen. We, we come with our doubt, with our unbelief, with our uh, way of thinking sometimes when Jesus needs to look back at us and say, whoa, <laughs> right? Where your kids come up and they're always doing the same thing and it's something that you tell them not to do over and over and over again and you keep instructing them. When they come up and they tell you and ask you that same thing, you're like, whoa, wait a minute, right? Here Jesus is saying, whoa, W-O-E. He's saying whoa is in a term of uh, absolutely stop what you're doing. And what if Jesus was here with us today when I actually tell us, whoa, Stop what you're doing. Look at your neighbor and say, won't you just stop what you're doing? I feel like God's speaking to us today, right? 
I feel like he's correcting us as a church, as a group. I, I believe he's speaking to us because if he'll tell the Pharisees and Sadducees that, he'll tell us that. Amen. Amen? we got to allow God to speak into our life if we want true change. If we want to be a radically transformed life, according to Scripture, we got to accept his correction. Because the Bible says the Lord uh, chastises those he loves. Amen? But if you love your child, you'll correct your child. Amen? A child that just runs wild and run rampant and do whatever they want from the time they're two-year-old, they'll end up growing up and being a hoodlum. Amen. I got my tail busted plenty. I told you the story before, my first day of school ever. First day of grade school. Miss Sue Brown, one of the nicest people on the planet, because me and Richard Church poured people's pop down the hill and slid in and got all muddy because we thought it was cool. Amen. She went, she's so kind-hearted, she wouldn't even whoop us. She went and got Mr. Smith, the principal, and brought him down there, and he whipped us. My first day of school, I got whipped, really? It's like pitiful, you know what I'm saying? I was that kind of kid that I needed corrected. My brother, Howie, he's one that they could just kind of raise their voice a little bit to, and he'd just like, wilt, you know. And I'm like, no, I'm going to keep going until I get busted. I'm going to take it to the far extreme. And they finally quit, they took paddling out in the ninth grade. That was a celebration for me. I'm telling you, you don't know what it's like to go from a school where they can paddle you to a school where they can't paddle you. And in ninth grade, during the last part of the year, I didn't turn in my homework one time, and Bob Smith, my teacher, Bob Smith from up at Firebrick, he was my math teacher. I didn't turn in my homework. Me and this girl in my class, and uh, he takes us down, and he, you have to go to the counselor's office at this time, and you had to have a witness to paddle somebody. Before that, back in grade school, they'd just bust you. I mean, I even got busted by Mrs. Isham. I mean, I'm probably the only kid ever in the history of Lewis County that she ever whipped. I, it's just awful, you know what I'm saying? But Bob Smith got me. He busted me real good, and he said, I'm going to make this one count because I can't do it next year, and he lit me up in ninth grade. Correction is needed. Uh, he said enough fire under me to know that my math homework needed turned in the rest of the way through school. Uh, so I, I did just that. So correction. And God chastises or whips, and I don't think he actually abhorred whipping. I think sometimes it's verbal. Sometimes I think that correction is uh, through others. I think he takes many avenues to bring correction in our life. And we need to be accountable. Amen? Because some people believe when they get in certain positions that they're unaccountable anymore to anybody else because they got a position or a title. So these Pharisees and Sadducees were people of high influence or affluence and, and they actually had positions. So if you're a Pharisee, you was like the elite of the Jewish faith. So here they are walking around all pompous in Jerusalem. They got these things called phylacteries, a big wide ribbon, and they got to wake up in the morning, they got to pray and tie this thing around their arms seven times, and it's got the Word of God on it, and they got a little box, they tie their head. They still do this today. You watch, watch TV about uh, the welling wall over there, you'll see people with a little black box and a ribbon tied around their head and around their arms and these different things, and they wear the little hat and all this stuff. It's, it's all an outward profession of their faith. In the New Testament, we believe in water baptism as a church, right? We believe that it is an outward profession of an inward faith. 
So somebody that comes to Jesus and asks for forgiveness of their sins and says, God, I, I want to I change life. I want to rearrange my uh, life through your word and, and, and allow you to change me from the inside out. And then you go get water baptized to say this is an outward profession of the faith I've already had on the inside. Amen? So there's an outward thing with this Jewish culture. And Jesus walks up to these people. And this is the elite. So in Lewis County, all the pastors... Not all the pastors, but the pastors that are full-time pastors, that that's their only job is pastoring churches. They meet together once a month downtown in Vanceburg, and they have these things called Ministerial Association. They do things like Project Merry Christmas. They do a lot of good projects throughout the year. They have a Thanksgiving dinner uh, at one of the churches. It's usually a, where all ch churches try to join together and just get along for a little bit. Do we have exact same beliefs amongst all of us? Absolutely not, because there's the Catholic guy, Father... Lochner's down there, you got Charlie Brown from uh, Garrison Christian Church, you have, I mean, there's just a whole wider range of, of belief systems that meet together once a month and say, let's just eat dinner. Sometimes I go whenever I'm off work or can get away or something. Leslie goes sometimes if she's uh, got the day off from school or something like that, we'll go and participate in that. But in, in thinking about who Jesus is talking to, it would be like Jesus or walking into that group to the ministerial association, the pastors of the churches, the leaders of the churches, and coming in and say, Woe unto you, you whitewashed sepulchers, you whitewashed boxes. You're full of dead men's bones. It's like, really? But I got a degree. I went to theology seminary. I, I, I've got all this education. I've got this certificate that says I am, am, am uh, qualified. I am certified to be a pastor of a church. And you're going to come in, this measly little guy from up here in Galilee that just goes around on the hills and, and wallers around with the 12 young kids and, and teaching them things about the Bible. And you're going to come in and tell me? I really believe that if somebody off the street, some homeless guy, would come marching in that room and start talking to that group of ministerial association that way, we would not take it very well. Amen. As pastors, it would be like, but my position says, when that guy off the street is saying, but my God says. It's two different things. Sometimes we need to pay attention to those on, that we feel like that may not have any ability to speak into our lives when God can actually use anybody. Scripture is full of, of cases where God used a donkey one time to talk to a prophet. Amen. That a donkey spoke words. And he turned around and he's like, what? What, what? what kind of God uses a donkey to talk to me? Apparently we're hard-hearted. <laughs> Amen. Apparently we've lost touch with reality. We've lost touch with God. And we think we hear God and we make up our own mind. And our mind tells us this, so that was God. But our mind is not God. God is our Father that sits in heaven that decrees things, that declares things, that makes all things new, that, that creates a, 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 a place of safety. Amen? And our minds will deceive us if we listen to our own mind or our own conscience or our, what I think. But that's what these people did, and Jesus called them out. And when he calls them out, he says, You're a whitewashed sepulcher. What is a sepulcher? That is a box, and it, they still... Uh, over in Jerusalem, they still do this in Jewish faith. They bury someone, they, they leave them in the tomb, they mummify them, uh, and, and they wait for the meat to be gone from the bones. And then they go into the tomb and they gather the bones back up, and they got this little white box, it's about that big, 
and they put all the bones of that individual in that box and they'll, they'll uh, carve in the top and tell who the name is, who the lineage, who the family is. It's a white box. Jesus was painting this picture that says, that's who you are. You are a picture of death. This is somebody, the religious elite. And Jesus is telling them, you are a picture of death. When all that Jewish customs teaches is faith and hope and all these different things, you can study the Old Testament. There's a, there's a lot of things in the Old Testament. that guide us to believe that faith should bring life. Yes. Amen? The Father God in the very first beginning verses of Scripture in Genesis chapter 1. Amen. Amen. God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was out form without void. And, and, and He breathed. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep and all that. And then God breathed. And life came into being. Only reason there's life here today, the only reason is because God allowed it. God is life. Religion is life. Some people say, I don't want no religion. Religion is a, a, a concept of doing things and principles. We need religion. The Bible says pure and undefiled religion is this, to take care of the widows and the orphans. So whenever you get a chance to go down to the nursing home and take in a bag of candy that normally you would hand out at your house and take it into that little old lady that's sitting in a wheelchair that hasn't had any family come and see her for a year and a half, whenever you take that candy in and put it in her lap and say, she can't buy any candy, and you put that candy in her hands and say, here, we're going to bring some kids around here, and you hand out that candy, they'll light up like a Christmas tree. Amen? That's pure and undefiled religion. We need religion. Look at your neighbor and say, you ought to be religious. <laughs> Amen. We ought to do that more often. <laughs> Amen. That shouldn't be just once a year thing. I thank God that the youth group goes. because I'm telling you, the youth group, the youth of this church do more than us adults. It's a shame. Oh, dang. Pastor Ben, step back. Watch out. You're going to get on somebody's toes. That'd be awful, wouldn't it? They went downtown to the projects. One of the housing projects all summer, once a month. And now whenever they just pull in on the van, those little kids come running out to the van. Pastor Dusty's here. Wow! Yeah, we're getting hot dogs. I mean, they're just so excited. And we adults, we help. Cindy's gave hot dogs they can go take and Kobe goes down and hands them out amen Ryan's been there helping out Kirby she's, she's went this I belong for the word is go Jesus said go into the highways and byways and compel them to come back to hear what Jesus has to say as a church we are to go Amen? We are to be a going organization. That's why we are missions-minded. That's why we have a missions conference every year. To tr the missionaries always come in, and they'll look at us, and they'll say, you mean there's 13,000 people who lives in this county? 14,000? And 10,000 of them don't go to church at all? 
They say, man, you guys have got your own mission field right here. And they look at us and tell us that every year. And we sit there like, yeah, I know. And then we'll do pretty good for a while. And then by the next mission's time comes around, we're like, well, we ain't done it for a little bit. And I'm glad the missionaries have come to fire us up again. Amen. That's correction. That's God's correction for us. But this, this way of looking at this, that, that we're a whitewashed tomb, a sepulcher, a death box, is a picture of who we are. I don't know about you, but that's not the picture of me I want. That's not the version of me that I desire. I deserve a, 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 a picture or a, a style or a version of me that has life, that has vitality. Amen. That, that will go when God says go, that will stay when God says stay, will pray when God says pray, will do when God says do. I want to be that type of person that actually does things. Amen. So as I think about that today, that Jesus was telling these elite and everybody else that was standing around too, I'm sure they started stepping back and be like, yeah, just take care of them, Jesus. But at the same time, we point our fingers at everybody else and we say, Jesus, deal with them, when truly Jesus wants us to say, here I am, Jesus, deal with me. That's real. And the minute we get closer to God is when we begin to say, Jesus, deal with me. Correct me. Instruct me. Lead me. Let me, let me take you to this scripture in Luke chapter 10. I love this story. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Jesus here. Now it came to pass as they went that they entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him to her house. Saying Jesus. Verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary, which is also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about by much serving. And came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister have left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You hear your name twice? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Whatever mom said your name twice, that meant something, right? They just say it one. But here Jesus is telling her, Martha, Martha. You ought to know what's coming. It's not Marsha, Marsha, Marsha on the Brady Bunch. It's not that. This is Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about by many things, but one thing is needful. Everybody say one thing. One thing. One thing. This one thing I do, the psalmist says, one thing is needed. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. You see, Martha was good at doing deeds. And I'm telling you a minute ago, to do a good deed, to take candy down to the lady at the nursing home or the man down at the nursing home, let them hand out your candy to kids, maybe not even your kids. So I'm, I'm telling you to do deeds, right? But guess what? Deeds won't get you to heaven. That should have been a good place for an amen. I'm going to say it again. Deeds will not get you to heaven. Amen. amen. The most uh, benevolent organization on earth is going to miss God. Because deeds isn't what it's about. Are deeds bad? No, deeds are good. There's good deeds to do. But those deeds won't get us to heaven. And sometimes our crooked little mind, perverse mind, thinks that deeds or things to do like that are what makes me feel good about myself so that I believe I'm saved. Paul told the Galatians, <laughs> it isn't by works. Amen. It's not by works, but it's by faith through, or grace through faith. 
that we believe God, we trust God. The only way to get to heaven is to believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin because why? Oh, wretched man that I am, amen, I am a death box. I am the whitewashed tomb that Jesus needs to come in and call some life back to something that has already died. Amen. You know why? Because I'm a death wish to people's life. You know why? Because sometimes I say some hurtful things. The Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. He gives us the ability to declare things, to decree things, to say good things, to build people up. But often we tear people down. Why? Because we're a death. I've got dead been bones. And I think the reason Jesus painted this picture was for Mary and Martha. You know what, Martha? Sure, you're fixing me food, but I'm going to die in two or three days is what Jesus is telling her. And Mary's just sitting here washing my feet with her hair. And she picked the better part. Jesus desires our worship. When we sit here during church and we just read words off of a screen and it's not truly a heart of worship. There's an old song that's been out for years. It's called The Heart of Worship. I'm coming back to the heart of worship because it's all about you, God. It's all about you. It come from a praise and worship leader that got sick and tired of just leading a, a, a uh, uh, what do you call it, a uh, performance and said, God, they just shut everything off. They shut the electric off, shut it all off and just stood there and sang and those words came. Coming back to a heart of worship where it's all about you, God. What if we truly worshiped God? What if worship would bring about flesh on our dead bones what if God could speak to us and quicken our mortal bodies that the Bible declares that what Paul says he would quicken our mortal bodies this, this body that we live in we can change we can be edified we can be built up by Jesus and Martha picked the wrong thing so I'm telling you right now there's a lot of Christians and Jesus even said that there's some people that's going to cast out demons they're going, they're going to do all kinds of things and many miracles and they're going to come up to heaven and they're going to stand before him and he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. That's scary. Scary for me as a pastor. You know what he's saying? Guess what, pastor? You can live your whole life and preach sermons and do all kinds of things and see a lot of other people's lives radically transformed, but what about you? That's what this message is saying to me today. What, what about Ben Collier? I, 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 can, I can try to edify you guys and build you guys up and try to get sermons to, to, for Bethesda to help and guide us and all this, but what about Ben Collier? Sometimes there's got to be a place where I get back and inspect myself and go deeper than deep and say, God, at my core, who am I? And why am I here? And when we do that, when we ask those type of questions, God will show up. When we begin to inspect, when we begin to, to, to evaluate ourselves and say, God, I, I, it's been a while since I've sensed your presence and, and I'll stand there during praise and worship music and I'll watch other people lift their hands and I'll watch other people, tears running down their face and I'm just standing there with my hands down and what about me? Amen. It's easy to evaluate everybody else, but when we need to be evaluating ourselves, 
And what if we come in this room on a weekly basis saying, God, I need you to move in my life today because I've been a death box this week. I've been a whitewashed sepulcher. I've been a whitewashed tomb this week. And I've spoke dead things and I've hurt people and I'm sick of being me. Help me, God. What if there's life out there that's greater than us? What if we inspect to the deepest level of us? What if we ask core principle questions? I think Martha got a wake-up call here where Jesus said Mary done the right thing. See, Leslie can play every week. She usually don't miss a note on there on the guitar. You can play and sing your whole life. But that's just an outward thing. If there's nothing internal, it don't matter. God wants us to love Him and cherish Him and seek Him. The Bible says seek Him while He may be found. The Bible says seek the Lord to knock and the door will be open. When we seek, we'll find. How much seeking are we doing as a church? As an individual in this room today, an inspection of yourself. And if I could put a, 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 a set of scales up here today, like a, 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 you know, not scales and weight. <laughs> It'd be awesome to look like I have like scales up here and have the screen up here to tell what it is. And everybody would come up one at a time. We're all going to come here and stand on here. And we're, we're all just going to, we're going to weigh in like Weight Watchers, right? Anybody ever had Weight Watcher done the Weight Watchers thing? Uh, there's... Missy May down at Mansbury said she had this morning. She, I remember her done it. And Weight Watchers is a good thing. It helps you. I, I'm for anybody that gets help. And if you need help, amen, go all for it. And if it takes accountability to get it done, then get you an accountability partner. That's what Weight Watchers is. What if there was a spiritual version of Weight Watchers? What if there was a set of scales that told us our spiritual weight? I want to be a heavyweight in the faith, don't you? Amen. I want to be somebody that can pray and mountains will move. Amen. I want to be somebody that can pray and demons will tremble. Amen. I want to be somebody that will pray like Jesus whenever he's out there in the midst of that storm and his, his disciples are in the boat and they're freaking out and they're scared. And Jesus just stands up out of his sleep and, and wipes the sleep out of his eyes and says, Peace, be still, and everything calms down. Amen. Wouldn't you like to be a quieting force in the world we live where there's trouble on every side? We're perplexed on every side. That I could just speak and people will calm down because the voice of God is coming through me. Don't you desire that? Don't you wish to be that, that peaceful force? Jesus is peace. What if we could speak like Him? What if it comes when we're like Mary? And we're kneeling down at Jesus' feet and we're worshiping him. I guarantee you she got up that day more emboldened to do the works of God. I'm sure Mary did works too. But there's a difference in doing worship then works than doing works to look like worship. Uh-oh. Because churches are real good at doing works so everybody thinks we're Christians. Somebody say Amen. Oh, me or something. These whitewashed little pictures here. Churches are full. And Jesus called them hypocrites. That'll freak us out, right? If Jesus was in here today, he said, just a bunch of hypocrites. Whoa, 
I try, man. He's like, yeah, but you ain't worshiping. You're just doing deeds. Wow. And it's just a white face we put on when we come into church on Sundays to say, here's my church face. It's like, man, Leslie, get up in the morning. We're not the happy-go-lucky couple we ought to be. Amen. Driving to church. We're just like everybody else. And we'll get in a big fight and argument on the way to church. And we get out and we head up the steps there at Vanceburg. And Dusty's getting out of his car at time to come in and practice music. And walking up steps. And you got to put on your church face. And Dusty's here. Oh, hi, Dusty. How are you? Oh, it's a great day. <laughs> Glory to God. Just so glad to be here. You guys sitting here acting like you don't do that. Yeah, right. That's whitewashed. Amen. Or oh me. But as we say that, there's so many verses. I, I, I want to take you this one more verse. We're going to get out of here real quick. I'm sorry. It's, uh, we're getting late, and I'm going to be done here real quick. Jesus, um, or God in the Old Testament, he, he has the, the uh, prophet to write this in Proverbs. Proverbs 16.2. It says, All the ways of man are clean in his own sight. But the Lord weighs the motives, weighs his motives. All the ways of man are right in his own sight. A lot of time we think we're doing the right thing, but is it what God wants us to do? Amen? That's why I love leadership retreat, because it always gets us back on path, and we always come back to the same thing, and we always go back to our five core values for Bethesda, and we always go back to love God and love people. Why? Because God is pushing the reset button on us as leaders. Don't get focused on all these activities. And sure, I love having cruise-ins. I love having all the stuff and the events and all these different things and missions conference, but it's not about that. It's about loving God, loving people. Amen. It's about being missions-minded, guest-friendly, community-oriented. It's about discipleship-motivated and people worshiping freely. That's our five core values. They're right back there on the board. And do, do we know those? Is that, is that characterize who we are? It should. Man's ways are right in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the motives. Bible even says he knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's extreme. <laughs> Amen? Because sometimes I can hide it. Amen? I can be madder than a wet hen and get myself composed enough that I can hide it. Amen? Where the people won't know how mad I really am. Leslie, she can't do that. She gets mad, her face just, you, it's Leslie's mad. <laughs> Usually she knows I'm mad because I get quiet. So now when I'm quiet around you guys, they're not they're just automatically saying, well, Ben's mad. Oh, no, now what? Don't, I'm not doing that. But God can check our motives. He can get internal. The Bible says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, that it'll cut even to the bone and to the marrow. It'll get to your death spot. Wow. God is so much bigger than us. And life is so much better with God than it is without Him. And I can tell you today that the 1998 version of Ben Collier is a whole lot different than the 2001 version of Ben Collier. Why? Because I asked God to fix me. Because I was pure death, Dusty. I was an agent of death. Some people's got a green thumb. Some people got a black thumb. Amen. <laughs> 
If you've got a black thumb, you envy the people with the green thumb. It's like, man, everything they touch, I can just get a dead plant and carry it to Francis like this. I remember all my childhood, she'd call, every fall of the year, you'd go down there and she'd say, okay, boys, come down. It's time to come down. I'll pay you to carry the flowers in. It's like, okay, and we're carrying all these big green plants down in the basement, and I'm talking a bunch of them, a whole basement full of plants. It's like, just plant them in the yard or something. <laughs> we got to carry these in and out. Then you go back down there in the spring and carry them back outside, and I'm thinking, this little brown dust bowl we're carrying back out here and set in the yard. But she'd go out there and she'd pluck around on it and water it and, and tend to it. Next thing you know, there's big, beautiful, even the cactuses have blooms. That dumbfounded me when I was a kid. Because them things hurt. Carry one of those down in the basement in a little plastic pail that's old and broken. Let it lean over against you. That's no fun. You pull them things out of forever. But sometimes dead things, come on church, can come back to life if we allow somebody to get his hands on it. If we allow somebody to water it just a little bit. If we allow somebody from the outside to come back and say, no, that does, it might look dead, but you don't understand on the inside there's something great. Amen. On the inside, there's a seed. Because if that thing will fall in the ground and die, then life can happen. And that's the way it is for us as Christians, as uh, people today as humans, if we will allow ourselves to be planted in the ground like a seed and germinate where God can do something, other people water, and God will give an increase, we'll come back to life. I promise you today, you may be sitting here and you're saying, Pastor Ben, I hear what you're saying and I feel like I'm one of those dead men. I feel like a white box is full of dead bones. But today I sense something happening in this room and I want God to move in my life again. I want Him to awaken and birth a new movement inside of me today this moment it can happen right now let's see if you'll come and play I promise you if you'll seek God you'll find him if you'll knock he'll open the Bible said Jesus said if anybody will open the door I'll come in and I'll sup with him I'll take up residence inside of your heart and I can, I can attest to this but I can tell you as pastor, sometimes I go through those mountains and valleys. And when I get in the bottom and it feels like the whole world is falling apart, I need to worship there just as much as I do on top of those mountains. And I'm telling you right now, we as a church need to come to a place of worship. If you're wanting new life, learn to worship. Worship isn't music. Can music help worship? Yes. You don't have to have music to worship. Worship is a way of life that we decide, I need more of God. And just because there's Leslie not there with a guitar, you can be out there in the middle of your field by yourself and God can quicken your mortal body and say, look, you're doing some dumb things and there's some death coming on the inside of you. And you can say, but God, I need you to bring life again. And in that moment, if you'll just stand there and say, praise you, God. Praise the Lord. Pastor Wells always says, praise the Lord. I read the, the Psalm 149. You can read that. You can go home and get that. If you write notes, make notes. Psalm 149. Go read it. Praise the Lord. We'll just praise God. The Bible says in Psalms 22, I think it's verse 3 or somewhere there, 3 or 4, it says that He inhabits the praises of His people. How many of you would like to have God to inhabit your life today? The way to do that is praise Him. Ask Him for forgiveness and praise Him for what He's already done in your life.
God, I thank you that I'm still up walking around. Amen. I thank you for the gift of life today. Won't you stand? In the book of Ezekiel, there's a valley of dead bones, of dry bones. And God tells the prophet Ezekiel, he says, go out and look at that field. What do you see? Ezekiel says, I see a field of dead bones, of dry bones. And God tells the prophet, he said, go out and speak to those dry bones and tell them to come back together. The Bible says that they begin to rattle and there's a churn and there's a different movement and things happening. And he speaks to him and he tells him to prophesy that there will be tendons to grow back upon those bones. Then he tells him to prophesy that there will be flesh come back upon them. And then he says, then the spirit says to the prophet, says, now what do you see? He said, I see a mighty army. What if the church would leave our white horse form of worship and come to a place of worship where we would become the army of God that would see the mighty exploits of God? How many would like to see miracles? Amen. How many would like to see healing? I'm talking about true healing where the God does miraculous things. I'm telling you, if we worship, we create an atmosphere where God can do those things. I believe that with all my heart. I don't serve a dead God. He didn't die and not come out of that tomb. He come out victorious over death, hell, and the grave, the Bible says, right? So I just want to ask you today, if you'll bow your head, close your eyes. Is there anybody here that would lift their hand and say, Pastor Ben, I feel like you've been speaking to me by the voice of God today, speaking to me, and I, I can see some dead bones inside of me, and I would like for some life to come back to these dead areas in my life. I would like to see new life spring forth in my existence. Is there anybody here to lift your hand and say, that's me? Amen. Amen. People all over the room. That's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Because I can tell you right now, God has created every person in this room for greatness. He's got great things in your future. He told Jeremiah, he says, I know the plans I have for you. They are plans to prosper you and give you health. To give you an expected end. To cause you to have purpose. I want us all to pray in this place today. I want everybody here to pray. Everybody say these words. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you, forgive my sins, forgive my faults, forgive my failures. I've came short, and I need you to fix my life. Cause me to have life once again. New life. New hope. A life of blessing and not cursing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.